live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. It always, it always gives you pause when you see something like this happen. Um, obviously, we've luckily been out of that um, the crisis, I, I suppose, like Tennessee's dealing with right now, and a couple of our teams have had some cases pop up. Um, but, I mean, it's just the state, status of the world right now. We've spent the whole offseason not knowing what we were going to be doing, if we were even going to be having a season. So, I, for me right now, um, it's always on the forefront of your mind because when, whenever you go and check your phone, you see a, a news flash of some... A new guy in Tennessee testing positive, their their next week game potentially being postponed or forfeited or whatever the NFL decides to come up with if things keep happening. So it gives you pause because it's NFL is our business and getting on the field and playing football is what we do for our livings. Well, it's got to be a couple things. That's Joe Schobert from the Jags. It's got to do a couple things. Obviously, it's got to be top of mind. You're getting all these reminders now. No doubt Doug Marone has to remind people of it. And so... It, it, it becomes part of like, okay, if I'm if I'm letting go on this a little bit, which we're all guilty of, you know, it's like, okay, is this thing still going on or my world might feel a little bit more normal or my kids are back at school and we're still coming to work now, like where I was home all the time. So it feels a little bit different, right? I think each one of us probably are different in terms of the flow of, of the pandemic and how we're responding to it. And at the same time, many people are just like sick and tired of it. Just forget about it. You know, yeah. I mean, I think people do get like that. I'm not sure people want me to say that, but I think some people are. And so I think this is a good reminder to the NFL that, hey, you guys bought in for the first couple months. You got to keep buying in or this is going to happen. And you don't want to be the poster child for this. And the Titans are. And by the way, the Titans are a good football team coming off the AFC championship game undefeated at the time. And they may have just made a mess of their season. Mm-hmm. They really have. I mean, we have no idea what the ramifications will be. But even the distraction of it, the fact that they haven't been to their facility in a week and a half. Who knows what kind of ramifications that will have by the time they end up playing a football game at some point. So. You don't want to be that team. So I think it's an interesting reminder for coaches, for organizations, for players. It really catches your attention uh, to be like, all right, we got to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Well, without a doubt, because right now you have 31 teams that are doing things the correct way. Now, there, it hasn't been perfect, right? There's been a couple slip-ups here. Players have got COVID-19, but teams have been able to to you know, to, to pinpoint exactly what's going on. And, and deal with it. And unfortunately, the Tennessee Titans have not been able to do that. So it looks obviously bad on the Titans' part. I don't think the NFL really takes a black eye too much yet because as far as the scheduling is concerned, I mean, it's not too crazy. But if this continues, if another team, let's say, comes down with it, then you start to ask the question of what's the NFL really going to do about this whole situation. Yeah, uh, and that's where we're at with it, right? What are they going yeah. to do about this situation? <laughs> do you think the NFL made a mistake? Because you, you know how it was operated. I mean, every team kind of had their own COVID protocols, depending on just the situation that they're in and the kind of like the resource that they had at their disposal. Do you think it was a mistake by the NFL to kind of let, their, let each team do its own thing and not have one universal protocol? Or do you think letting each team kind of, um, you know, pioneer their own rules, their own protocol sets and stuff like that was the way to go? Yeah, I think I, I think the blanket nature of the protocols that we see in memos that the Schefters and everybody else kind of end up ret- or tweeting. Yeah. 
I think is pretty much this blanket way to deal with it. And then I heard you talking yesterday about it where there's a wrinkle here or a wrinkle there. Because each team most, had to be approved. Yeah, I think mind. most of the stuff is pretty in line. I, I don't think anything goes like way outside that box of whatever mm. the standard is for the NFL. I think the bigger question is should they have bubbled or should they be bubbled or should you have, you know, maybe in hindsight, should you have somebody monitoring, you mm. know, on a weekly basis, someone from the NFL almost with that franchise to babysit this a little bit yeah. and be like, hey, are the Titans wearing masks in the building? Because that's a concern now. Mm-hmm. It appears to be. Not only did they go outside the building and outside of the protocols, that's a different story, but are they doing what they're supposed to be doing because you can walk around with this thing and be asymptomatic and be sharing it with people and you don't even know if you're not potentially doing one of the things you're supposed to be doing. And one is whether it's washing your hands or whether it's wearing the mask, you're supposed to be doing that in the building. But now there's some concern they weren't doing that. In well, and, and this was always my concern, Brent, about not having a third party being associated with this COVID-19 stuff, right? Whether you deal with a concussion, it's always a third party. Why? Because they're trying to save the player from themselves. If you didn't have a third party for concussions, a team doc could be like, well, he's one of our star players. Yeah, you might be concussed, but get back out there because we got to win this game, right? So like, that's the beauty of the third party with concussion protocols. That's the beauty of the third party with urine testing. Obviously, if there's a star player gets, you know, I mean, listen, if, if, if a star player's popping drugs or he's doing steroids, one would think that if it was just within the team ramification, be like, yeah, this, we kind of need this guy, I, though. Yeah, so. that's a negative. Exactly, that's a negative, right? So that's why you have a third party for that. So why didn't you have a third party for COVID-19? It's something that I brought up right when it was announced that they won, and I still understand it to this day. I think they should, but it is what it and is And the now. Jags don't have that either. I mean, no. they have their trainer, uh, you know, that has developed into that situation. Sure. And it's a great point. I actually thought about this, and I don't know exactly how I feel about it. So, like, I'm kind of going back and forth in my own mind, if I'm being honest. Uh, I wonder, say, this is one reason I think you got to be careful of a forfeit for the uh, – Tennessee Titans, because I wonder if the NFL forces a forfeit here, potentially, do you run the risk of these non-third party people covering stuff up because it might lead to a forfeit? Mm-hmm. Now, is a danger. This is why I wrestle with it, because it's like, listen, you got to report this stuff. There's. You could be on you'd be liable for a heck of a lot more than a forfeit if you don't report the stuff. So I think that maybe prevents it from happening. I'm just saying it's entered my mind today that given the nature of what's going on with the Titans and again, the almost embarrassment for their organization and the possibility of a forfeit that they could face. I think this could detract teams from reporting everything of course and no, so and listen, i think that's the dangerous part and that's why your third party yeah. could come into play even more well, now that we've seen this from the and, titans and, and, I, and i was i was so adamant about this you're, you're absolutely right brent like the nfl it's a cutthroat league and there's regardless of how much you try to clean some stuff up there's always gonna be just a little wrinkle of shadiness here and there in the, in the crevices if you will you mean to tell me that every single team right now is following their NFL protocols with COVID-19 to a T? You mean to tell me that these, you know, quote unquote, you know, team helpers with COVID-19 are doing everything in their power to make sure that every NFL player in that locker room is following all the protocols? I have a hard time believing that. Obviously, we're seeing it in Tennessee right now, and I'm sure there's more of it as well, which we're probably never even going to know about it until it comes out in a book 20 years down the line. Yeah. 
So with that being said, I think it's I I really think it, it's a missed opportunity. I think it's a I think it's a bad job by the NFL not to appoint a third party system. I think that was something they had plenty of time to do. They didn't go with that. They, they put everybody on the honor system, if you will. And I get it. We're we're still very young in the season right now. But you see what's happening in Tennessee. One would assume it's probably going to happen someplace else. Um, I just don't agree with the NFL using the honor system in terms of how COVID nineteen is being handled. All right, listen. I know you think they should incur a forfeit mm-hmm. if they can't play on Sunday. And we're getting, I mean, come on, it's 5 o'clock on Thursday. They haven't been allowed back in their building. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's dangerous to allow them to play on Sunday right now. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you move to Monday or even a Tuesday, but that's the cutoff. But I think it's dangerous to, like, when they initially said they were going to be able to play the Steelers but not allowed in their building until Saturday, I think that was dangerous. Like, I, I wouldn't sign off on that if I'm the NFL. You talk about the injuries that might happen in that game, I'd say, well, they weren't allowed in the facility. They weren't allowed to do this. They weren't allowed to do that. I'd be way concerned about that if I was the NFL. So bottom line is, as we sit here at 5 o'clock on a Thursday, and I'm just checking the headlines and making sure nothing has come down, but I know you think it should happen. You think it will happen. If they can't play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that the NFL takes that big of a leap, or is this a scare tactic? Listen, it all depends on what they find, right? Like, if we're sitting here right now and we say, all right, well, they can't play this Sunday, let's take a game away, I don't think it's as easy as that. I think it's it's got to be a little bit of they weren't following the proper protocols, they were breaking the rules, and what do those reports say? Like, I talked about this a little bit, but I want to get into a little more. So, like, when they played Minnesota, right? Like, guys had COVID-19 when they played Minnesota. I'm sure there was tackling. They were sweating on each other. I'm not sure what the handshakes and things like that. But nobody in Minnesota only had COVID-19 after that game, right? And you know why? Because they put the proper things in place with quarantining. They put the proper things in place with the protocols and all that stuff where they didn't have to worry about it. Now, yeah, their facility got shut down for a couple days because out of just, you know, sheer panic. But then everybody passed and they were good to go and, you know, you're fine. You're back to normal. The fact that more players have tested positive these past three, four, five days, I mean, really this past week since the Minnesota game, you, the, the, they're not handling it. Like, whatever the, the, the protocols were, you're not handling it because it's getting worse. Yeah. Like, it shows what Minnesota did because nobody has it, and no one still has it. But for whatever reason, the numbers keep going up and going up in Tennessee. So, once again, it depends what these reports find. It depends, you know, if someone wants to come forward and essentially snitch, maybe. But I'm just saying, if they do find that rules are being broken, protocols are being violated, then yeah, I think they're going to take a game away. I really do. But I said take a game away. I mean, they're going to forfeit that game. We're going to get to the Jags now. Uh, injury report is a big story here for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, you've you've got to start wondering, you know, as bad as they've been on defense, mm-hmm. how much will this the injuries now start piling up and catch up with them. They are sure. thin. You know, they don't, they're not great on defense to begin with. I mean, they've showed that. Okay. And now you're looking at a situation where, uh, Josh Allen did not practice for his second day in a row with a knee injury. Now he did not leave that game Sunday no. to my, to my eyes, but Josh Allen has now mixed, missed two straight practices. I do think practices in the NFL are not the same as they used to be, right? <laughs> not I mean, even close. It felt like. I've covered the NFL for 20 years, yeah. and it felt like up until maybe three, four years ago, and maybe it was even before, yeah. but if you didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday, you probably weren't playing in the game. Sure. But it doesn't feel like that anymore, right? Not even close, especially when you know what you have with Josh Allen, right? We're talking about you know those upper-tier kind of guys. Um, if you even have like a, like a toenail injury, sometimes coaches will sit you out just during the season, right? So um, 
listen, I don't think Josh Allen's necessarily a guy who needs a lot of practice. I mean, let's be honest. He he doesn't have a lot of sacks right now. He's got to play better, all that stuff. But I don't think getting missing two extra days of practice is going to affect him that much, let's just say. Well, here's we'll, we'll see, right? We'll, well see. Well, I mean, unless there's a serious injury, then yeah, the house is going to affect oh, yeah, him. Yeah, but, yeah. but I'm just saying from the standpoint of him missing practice, if he was to play on Sunday, would it affect him that much? I don't think so. By the way, we'll talk to Josh Allen tonight on Jaguars All Access. That's coming up at 7 o'clock on Fox 30. Uh, so you can check that out uh, from the stadium, and he will join us live on the show so we can ask him a little bit uh, about how he's feeling at the very least. LaVisca Chenault, hamstring, did practice. C.J. Henderson, shoulder, did practice. Jared Wilson, hamstring, did practice. Miles Jack, ankle, did practice. Cam Robinson, knee, uh, did practice. Uh, Will Richardson, illness, uh, again, they would specify if it was COVID because he'd be on the list. That's not that. James O'Shaughnessy scheduled day off. Avery Jones, Adam Gotsis days off. Tyler Eifert uh, did practice with the neck. So they got a lot of guys listed. I would say the main concern there is Josh Allen. You know, but there are a lot of guys banged up too. Mm-hmm. I mean, C.J. Henderson didn't come back in that game. Yet he's it looks like he might play. Mm-hmm. Miles Jack didn't come back in that game. Looks like he might play. Cam Robinson didn't come back in that game. Although there was a national report that it wasn't a serious knee injury, so that's good. Could he play on? I mean, there's there's some big name players now uh, that you've got to keep an eye on. Uh, to see about the injury report. Don't like the way the injury report looks right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars, most yeah. notably because Josh Allen now is not practiced for yeah. two days. So we'll see what happens in that situation. Uh, quick injury thought from Steven. He's on the phone. Let's get to him. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 before we hit the wall that says it all and talk Miles Jack. What's up, man? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have two questions. And uh, this regards to Miles Jack. If he's not able to play and since Leon Jacobs is gone, could you see them possibly sticking uh, Shad Quarterman in there? Yeah, he's played the Schobert's position, but he is good at stopping the run. He could probably take over for Jack until he gets better. And my second question is, since Doug Marone or Todd Wash said they're moving, uh, uh, God, my, his name, Herndon to the nickel, I mean, Clay Brooks, he's mostly a special teams guy. Uh, Sidney Jones haven't seen him. Could they possibly suit up Luke Barku to possibly play and see what he has? Because a lot of people want to see if Barku and Henderson are the next duo like uh, Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. Thanks, man. Appreciate that, Stephen. Uh, with some of the questions uh, for a moment there, I thought if you, he was asking for God to be on the Jags defense. <laughs> <laughs> you eat out. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, the... First of all, I I would think I don't think they're going to play Shaq Quarterman in that spot at Miles Jack's spot. No, no. Uh, he, uh, Quincy he's, he's Williams not built is, for is that. a guy who's eligible to come off the list. Yeah. So could they play him? And I haven't seen him on the report, but they haven't activated him off that list. They have 21 days mm-hmm. to activate Quincy Williams, and so he could be ready to slide back in there. A rusty one at that, but uh, yeah, I think I think Dakota, Dakota Allen's Allen has been the guy, and he missed a gap the other day, and at least yeah. one of those run plays. Listen, what was Shaq Quarterman? And then obviously we've seen him a little bit here, um, sparingly, but I think he would be more built if he had to fill him in as a, as like a strong side more than a weak side, yeah, right? Because he's, he, he's kind of like an old throwback, you would say. He's not a weak side guy. Correct. Not, at least like what you picture a weak side guy to be. Uh, so uh, as for Herndon, Herndon's interesting. I I was told this last year, actually, when I was asking about the nickel spot, because I think DJ Hayden might have been hurt, and, and they feel really good about Herndon. Be, like, he might be, if, if things don't work out on the outside, they like him as a possible nickel guy. Mm-hmm. So to see him move inside to that nickel spot is not a surprise to me. I've heard that before, at least from 
their view of it uh, when I've asked a little bit about him. What's interesting is what's out there. Clay Brooks, Sidney Jones is a guy who's played in the league before. Yeah. And I know everybody wants to see Barku, but he must not be doing something in practice or they must not love what he's doing because let's be honest, well, you it's not saw like they've now. got pro bowlers back there right now filling in for these guys. Yeah. So I, I, I hear you. I'd like to see Barku too. I'd like to see somebody just make a play back there. But I, there's got to be something that they're not seeing and we're not privy to mm-hmm. uh, because Marone was asked about earlier this week and he was very quick. He's like, well, yeah, if they, it was basically like if they practice better and they, they play better and we think they can be in there, we'll put them in there. Yeah, but well, it was more like we don't think they're good enough to be in there right now. No, without a doubt. And listen, especially from from the cornerback position where I think it is all about confidence and it's all about when you make that first start or if you get that playing time, I mean, the coach has to set you up for success. Um, look to echo you a little bit. If he's not in there already, it's for a reason, right? They're not just going to unleash their secret weapon halfway through the season against a really hard receiving team. Like, no, like obviously he's still learning. He's a rookie. Give him some time. But with that being said, though, and I've been very adamant about this, the the Houston Texans skill positions are fast and then they're good receivers. They're good route runners. And I think Kenny Stills is, is indeed going to play this game. So it's like you need all hands on deck, let's just say. So um, I think they're going to go up with the hat a little bit last week. And if that means Chris Claybooks again, so be it. Um, obviously struggled a lot in the run game. Uh, maybe a little bit of a struggle, too, in the pass game as well. He has to get better. Simple I, as that. I, I mean, feel like I've seen what do you want him to do? I feel like I've seen him play and make some decent plays in the pass game. Yeah. I think but what people are so bent about is the run plays there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, but that doesn't mean he was awful the rest of the time. This isn't a team that's just going to give up on a guy because it was like one bad play or two bad plays. They're not going to do that. And, and let's be honest here. I need my corner to do a lot of things. If you have problems stopping the run, I can I can figure out ways to help you out there. Yeah. Right? It's a, it's the same thing with C.J. Henderson. That's what they all say about what, yeah. When they're drafting C.J. Henderson, what was his big red flag? Couldn't stop the run. You know what? I don't care. Play press coverage on the top receiver and do your thing. We'll figure out the run later. That's how I feel right now with Clay Brooks as well. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you on that. All right, Kuz, we ready to go? Let's let's throw up uh, the wall that says it all right now, and we're going to get into Miles Jack. Miles Jack, the pro football focus numbers. I yep. tweeted them out, I think, today or maybe last night. We're talking positivity, night. Brent. I like positivity. But, but this is great, and it also is a little bit of a... An indictment on the Jags. Maybe it's a lot of an indictment on the Jags. They tried to put Taven Bryan outside. Didn't work. Moved them back inside. They tried to put Miles Jack strong side, middle. Now they got him at the weak side. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long? I, wait, listen, early on, you know why it took so long is because Telvin Smith was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Well, now Telvin Smith hasn't played for a couple of years. Yeah. And the Jags still thought that, okay, Miles, he's super talented. It's almost like Miles' athleticism and talent worked against him because instead of him playing at the position he was meant to play, which you've been saying, by the way, since the start of the show oh, in yeah, January I mean, anyways, 2019. Yeah, but that was obvious, though. You know, they put him at spots because we, it's like, hey, we he, we saw him run the ball. Let's put him at fullback or, or put him down. Like, <laughs> yeah. they seriously, it sometimes hurts you, right, in any line of work if you do too many things. Well, listen. Right, and do too many things, and but they don't put you in the great thing you're at. Listen, here here, here was the attribute that led to Miles Jack playing middle linebacker even when Telvin Smith was long gone. And it was a coaching staff that lacked imagination and a coaching staff that um, went with the status quo of how a defense, defense should be ran. Now, I was very adamant about when Miles Jack was playing middle linebacker. And I said, show me your most athletic player playing middle linebacker, and I'll show you a guy playing out of position. It's as simple as that. I think the thought from Todd Wash and that Jaguar staff was, well, listen, 
this guy is the leader. He's one of the staples on our team. We need him calling the plays and being a leader, being a captain. Let's put a middle linebacker, right? Because you think of linebackers, usually the leader of that defense, usually they're the guy that gets all the respect, is the middle linebacker. I play with some great ones. But I've also played with Daryl Smith, right? I've also played with Lance Briggs. So to me, it was a situation where I was like, let's put our our groomed star competitor at the middle linebacker spot because that's where all the leaders go. That's not how you're supposed to think. You're supposed to think, where does it fit him the best? I don't care about what the huddle's like. I don't care about what the players see. Like All I care about is putting players in positions to be successful. And I said it many times. You said it, too. Everybody said it, Brett. It's the, it was a no-brainer. Everyone said that. If you put Miles Jack at middle linebacker, he's playing out of position. You know what? He tried to embrace the role. He was up for the challenge. I think he took it upon himself to take over Puzz's spot, but we saw that backfire. I think you are at a great point. I think they fell in love, and we all maybe did, that, hey, he's the next guy to fill in for Puzz. Puzz yeah. is training him to be the next guy because he can do it. He can do everything instead of putting him in for really to replace Telvin, who abruptly retired. Yeah. Because, listen, in their plans, in their big plan, they're like, hey, we have Telvin. He's a pro bowler guy. He can play that position. So we got to make room for Miles. We want them both on the field. Well, then the Telvin thing happens yep. and probably should have slid him right into that spot to get the best football out of uh, Miles Jack. Instead, they move him to the middle, draft Quincy Williams because they need some help to replace Telvin Smith, even though I didn't think he'd be ready until this year. Uh, and Miles doesn't play that great. And now here you got Miles, and you really didn't even need Quincy Williams, most likely, because Miles is playing the weak side linebacker yeah. at a Pro Bowl spot, or at least a Pro Bowl level. Yeah. Take It's great to see him playing good football, though. That's well, really the moral of this story is he is playing great football. Might have taken a while. Yeah. Jags might not have put him in the best position to begin with. But he's now he's living up to the guy who actually, if you go back to that draft and you have me on record from whatever show I was on, TV I was on, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably said from Chicago that day as I was calling about the draft and doing pre-draft shows, I think Miles Jack might be the best player in this draft. That's yeah. how much I liked Miles Jack. I've been waiting for him to emerge. And you, emerge you, and you call and it emerge. this is going to be the season. Well, I called it well, the last, said last two seasons, season. If it's not this year, then this when? This is my last go around yeah, on yeah, Miles. This yeah. is my last chance, and it looks like he's Double living up down. to it. Take us to the wall that says Absolutely it all. In the all. Play. So, real quick, you said DJ Truck. Let's get those plays on the wall that says it all. And I agreed with you, but I'm like, you know what, man? I have been slamming this defense. Is there any bright spots that we can talk about? Is there any kind of sunshine and rainbowness that I can spread to all the Jaguars fans out there and say, you know what? At least we got this going for us. We'll enter Miles Jack. Like, his play against the Bengals, Brent, it was too good not to do its own segment on. So apologize to DJ Chark. You'll get a lot more touchdowns. We'll see that cat daddy dance, whatever that is in the end zone. We'll see a lot more of that. But I had to go Miles Jack this week. DJ Chark, haven't forgot about you, man. So let's go to the wall that says it all. Slide number one. Pretty obvious what's going on right now, right? We're at a third and goal. Uh, Jaguars one yard line. Cincinnati is going into score right now. Goal line formation, right? Cincinnati has a jumbo package. What is that, little guy? Is that a, is that a fullback? I mean, it, it, it's a goal line formation. Jaguars in the goal line formation as well. Brent, if I was going to ask you right now, if the Bengals were unable to run the ball in here, you think they're going to score? Or you think the Jaguars are going to stop them on the defense? I think they would score. Right, because that's just kind of been the they status quo. themselves. And it's kind of been the status quo, you know, these days of the Jaguars' defensive line, especially that interior where they're having a hard time stopping that run. So third and goal, if I was out there right now, yeah, here comes a run right down the middle. It's the perfect formation for it. And you know what? I think Miles Jack's thinking the same thing right now. Right? He's about five yards back in that linebacker spot playing the weak side. But I think deep down he realizes, like, listen, this is third and goal. We can't stop mixing all day. I got to go above and beyond what I'm called to do as a player and stop this run. Right? So keep that in mind now. Let's go to slide number two. 
By the way, if you're at, uh, if you listen to your car or on the stream or just listening and not watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, this is the wall that says it all. We'll illustrate it to your ears as well, but there is an illustration to your eyes if you watch on the video platforms. Uh, and this once again is the third and goal, uh, in that second quarter. Huge play in the game at the yeah. time. Uh, and Miles Jack would be the interception. Here's slide number two where he, uh, well, this looks like face guarding. Yeah, well, this is a little face guarding. And guess what, Brent? This isn't a run right now, right? So if I was out there, I would have been wrong. Shout out to the to the Bengals brass for, for calling this play because it's ballsy, right? When you have the Jacksonville Jaguars on their heels, third and short, and you choose to go to play action, I didn't see that coming. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Needless to say, Miles Jack didn't see this play coming either, guaranteed by his position right now where you say maybe he's face guarding a little bit. Here's what happened. Play action. Miles Jack obviously comes up to fill in for the run, help out his teammates, go above and beyond what is asked of him. Because like we talked about, Brent, if some guys aren't doing their job and you're a star player, you take it upon yourself to do a little extra. Miles Jack did extra right here. He tried to stop the run. He thought it was going to be a run. We all thought it was going to be a run. Play action. So he gets in bad position, right? So now he has to recover. But here's the beauty, and here's why Miles Jack was made for this position. This weak side linebacker position, it's all about speed, reaction, and athleticism. If you watch this film here, he gets out of position. It looks like, oh, that's going to be an easy touchdown to sample. If you had sample in fantasy, which I did <laughs> in one league, I was like celebrating. I'm like, all right, well, there's that sample touchdown. Cincinnati really likes him. He's more than a blocking tight end. Check this out. So he's wide open in the end zone. Miles Jack realizes, oh, and he recognizes it's not a run. So now i got to retrace my steps. I have to go back to where I came from and find who I have. Obviously, he had man on sample. Not a lot of linebackers can have this kind of recovery time because it takes footwork, it takes speed, it takes agility, and most important, it takes recognition. In a split second, Miles Jack realizes this is play-action pass. Now, in that split second, he was out of position because that's how fast the NFL works. But God bless Miles Jack with speed and athleticism, where even though he was a split second, maybe a little too slow on the recognition, he was able to recover, and that's what you see right here. Now, yeah, it's not perfect coverage. Obviously, you're going to teach a linebacker, turn around, watch the ball, don't face guard him, because right now, Miles Jack has no idea the ball is coming in, right? He sees Drew Sample's hands go up. And he, that's kind of a tip. All right, the pass must be coming in. But Miles Jack right now, he's clawing tooth and nail to try to, try to disrupt this pass and just cause an incompletion. Okay? The One thing, uh, one thought on this, which I heard, I think, uh, the officials say during this when they reviewed the play eventually, uh, which we'll get to. But the verticality here. Instead of diving into sample the receiver, yeah. even though he's in recovery mode and almost panic mode to go try to make a play. Yeah. He's going vertical. Yeah. Almost like a basketball, that you know that that line of verticality they now use. That if you're going to j defend somebody, yeah. as long as you're jumping straight up and not into him, you're okay. Yeah. Well, they use that here too. Well, and listen, and right now, if you're looking at this slide, Miles Jack's thinking one thing, and I can I can't say it for in form of the expletives, <laughs> but he's thinking, oh blank, yeah. oh blank, oh blank, oh blank, like probably a four letter word. Exactly. And listen, and I've been in this position before. When I played against uh, the Indianapolis Colts back in the day, Dallas Clark ran this kind of same route on me, and I was in this exact same position where my back's turned, I can't see anything, and I'm just praying that I can get there fast enough. Spoiler alert: I didn't get there fast <laughs> enough. Miles Jack does. So let's go get to those windshield wipers. I guess quicker, so, man. That's some long arms too, but you don't pay many that accuracy. <laughs> just weed it right through my arms. Let's go to slide number three now, Kuz. 
Coos is like, yeah, we'll go to slide number three, but we also got to go to break here in the next like two minutes. Oh, so we'll sorry about there. that. All right. So slide number three, and this is the celebration. Somehow Miles Jack comes down with the ball, literally strips it away from Sample, and it's a huge moment in this game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That, that's that turnover that you wanted to see on defense. Here's the thing about this play, though. Miles Jack never expected the interception here. He would be crazy to. His back was turned. His hands were up. He was almost face guarding. There was no way he expected to get an interception. But here's the cool thing about this play. Yeah, there's some speed. There's some athleticism involved in it. But it's want to. This play comes down to want to at the end of the day. Because Sample gets this ball. Sample catches this ball. Kind of on his face mask, right? Catches on his face mask. And Miles Jack right there seeing that took it upon himself. And all of a sudden, animal instincts take over. And it's like, that's my ball. All right? I'm the leader of this defense. This is my ball. I'm making a play right now. That's exactly what Miles Jack did. He essentially robbed, um, stole, took his lunch money, and took the ball away from him. And now it's a turnover. See, if Sample really wanted to, he could have snagged that ball down, tucked it in, and just touched down, and I'm celebrating because I got him in fantasy football. But we didn't do that, did we? Miles Jack wanted that play more. And it goes to show you that even in this game, when that defense is struggling, Mixon's having a day, Burrow's having maybe a breakout game, a guy stepped up and said, not right now. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to go above and do even more than it's asked to me. I'm going to try to stop this run first, help my defensive line, get caught for a second slip and recover, and then steal this ball away from Sample. It's a, it's a prime example of, number one, Miles Jack trying to do maybe a little extra, but guess what? They need him to right now. Yeah, they do. It's a prime example of the recognition to recover when he did make a mistake and thinking it's a run. And it's a prime example of the athleticism, um, him playing the right position, and most importantly, the effort at the end. I think about this play. I think about he had a pick last year. That was a nice one against Cincinnati. I think about the pick against uh, near the sideline against Pittsburgh. I think about, obviously, Miles Jack wasn't down, but the play that created Miles Jack wasn't yeah. down against the Patriots. I know we get wrapped up in the latter part of it. I think about those plays, and you think about about some of the plays Miles Jack has made in a Jags uniform, and they have displayed some tremendous athleticism yeah. and tremendous gifts of a good football player. Yeah. And I think we're seeing it on a more consistent basis than we've ever seen it before with Miles Jack. This is just the latest illustration. And, and I'm just saying, when your back is turned right that, and you're just praying that you know they don't get a touchdown in you like that, that is Miles Jack. I've been there. That's Miles Jack at his worst. That's Miles Jack where all his fears are coming true. I'm about to get mossed on, basically, if you will, and a guy's got to have a t- highlight touchdown over me. Didn't let it happen, man. Put the team on his back, grab that ball, and Jaguars ball, turn over, let's go. Miles Jack back to practice on a Thursday. I hope he's healthy and ready to go and stays healthy because they need selfish him. right now, for him I hope he is, because <laughs> he, but selfishly, I want to watch Miles play. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm watching number 44. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying watching Miles play as much as, at times, it's not enjoyable to watch the defense as a whole play. Yeah. He is playing that good. Uh, you know who else is playing pretty good? The Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Looks like they're about to lock up a sweep, Atlanta Braves fans. Kind of an easy on paper round of this playoffs for the Braves. They got the Marlins. Marlins are human though, huh? Cinderella. I think they're going to lose the playoffs. Yeah. That's all right. The Dodgers are better owner than Alex Rodriguez. Don't forget it, Brad. The Dodgers Padres here. Oh, that was a good game last night. Yankees raised. Yankees could get eliminated. I'll give you an update on Houston as well in the athletics. That's going back and forth. Uh, We'll give you an update on some Major League Baseball and a final thought or two here on a Thursday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6 night. Austin Lane. Are we on right now or not? Like our screen? I guess we're good. Brent Martineau. Yeah, you got to go all the way. Yeah, we're back. Thanks for your concern. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. 
Well, I mean, when you're on four, like obviously things need to change. I mean, it wasn't working. I, I appreciate and respect what we had. You know, we won four division titles in six years with Bill, and I appreciate that and that time. Um, but obviously, this year we're on four, and, and stuff wasn't working. And, and uh, so, when you have the talent that we have, specifically at the quarterback position in this league, you can't be on four. And so, we're we're looking forward to doing what we can to get on the right track. And made a good practice today, and we're looking forward to Jacksonville. I'm not sure we're looking as forward to Houston. Cryptic tweet, JJ. JJ Watt. What are you thinking? Five, six sacks? Nah, nah, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think JJ Watt's near the player he was. I know he's a great effort guy still. I think he's still a good player, but I mean, yeah. just not. To me, he used to, like, I used to go into a game, mm-hmm. especially with some of the offensive lines, mm-hmm. and I would think, oh my gosh, this guy might get seven sacks today. <laughs> Like, and I think they, that's why I think Whitney Merciless had some great games. Yeah. Because I think there was so much attention that Watt might get seven sacks against him that, that Merciless kind of could sneak in. Uh, I, I just don't think Watt's like that. And by the way, I think the offensive line of the Jags is, I mean, one of the better ones they've had in, in a long time, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And I think it's showing up a little bit too. They've played pretty well. They have been right about that. A month into the year. The offensive line's pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right about that. And James Robinson as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not all wrong. Um, no. But when you're 1-3, a lot's wrong Yeah. Uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 0-4 for uh, the Houston Texans. You know, one th- thought on that. You know, everybody said the early part of the season, the first six games, that's where you got to make your hay. And I agree with that. I think mm-hmm. these next two games are absolutely critical. But if you look at the next month, like the back end of this, the calendar gets really tough. But it really starts with the last eight. It's the last eight games. Because yeah. if you take the next four games, you're looking at 0-5. No, I'm sorry. 0-4 Houston. 1-3 Detroit. 1-3 mm-hmm. Chargers. 0-4 Houston. Sure, but it's, but it's 1-3 at on the West Coast. Yeah. Oh, you know, listen, I mean, nothing's easy yeah, for the Jags. Yeah. I'm just saying I get what this you're is doing, not like murderer's row coming up for the Jags. I hear you. I don't think anything is easy, though, right now, Brandon. Nothing's hard. easy. Yeah, yeah. Everything's hard for the Jags, but it's certainly not yeah. Baltimore, Green Bay, Minnesota. Yeah. You know what that could look like in, in a couple more months. Yeah. Like it's, it's go time for the Jags, bottom line is. If they're going to do anything, mm-hmm. if they're going to do anything out of, just from a respectable standpoint this year and not be a top five pick, this is the time to, to make mm-hmm. something happen. Uh, without question, maybe pick up a win here or two later in the season. But these next four games, this is the time they got to do something. Uh, Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos wrapping up here. Congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they win and they sweep the Marlins. They took care of business. Give them a lot of credit. You know, Marlins had never lost a series. We we had that stat yeah. earlier in the week, and they've been playing well. And they're that Cinderella, and you're like, ah, we'll overlook these guys. They're nothing. Well, yeah, on paper, the Braves way better. And the the Braves proved it, though. They they got it done, and they did it in resounding fashion, too. So give them a lot of credit. Uh, the Braves are on to the NLCS uh, for the first time in a long, long time. I think, what, uh, 2001, I think it is. And Houston now is beating Oakland 7-4. Expect this one to go back and forth oh, in the last uh, four innings. So. It's only in the – they're going into the sixth. Okay. So we'll see what happens. I'd like to see the A's make that a series. Thank you. Yeah, like I'm not rooting for Houston necessarily, but – I just think they're good, and that whatever they were was it twenty nine and thirty one in the sixty game season. Yeah. That showing up that the Astros are still good. Now I don't think they're good enough to win it all because you know why? Alan Verlander, uh, Alan, <laughs> sorry, Alan, Justin Verlander, is <laughs> doing it all the time. Yeah. Justin Verlander yeah. is not there. Correct. I mean, Verlander's been a huge part of what they've done these yep. last couple of seasons. He is not there, so I don't I don't like the Astros. 
to that degree, although the bats are coming alive. Everybody talks about the Yankee bats. Houston bats are alive right now. Yeah. And the Yankee bats outside of Stanton went quiet these last two games. Mm -hmm. It's a big one tonight. Big one for my bet. For what, Stanton? More home runs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Stanton's on fire. Playing pretty good ball. Stanton, I think, has now hit, I think it's what, five home runs in the postseason? I think he had seven home runs go in the last two years in the Yankee uniform. Yeah. Mostly because of yeah. injury. But but, it, but isn't that crazy how it works? So, like, listen, I mean, he's obviously been hurt the entire season. No one's talking about him. And, like, we're wondering, why are you making all this money? Like, you're making a ridiculous amount of money for what? And then the playoffs start, and now it's like, oh, oh, oh I see. Okay. What's, I got it. What's crazy is they can't get both of their guys going at the same time, it Correct. doesn't seem, because Judge, you know, first two games, I guess you would say everybody hit. They scored so many runs, but uh, now Judge seems like he might be struggling. Although they have great pitching, Tampa does. I mean, Chuck Morton there is pretty darn good yesterday, and uh, two days ago it, it was uh, Glass now. Mm-hmm. So the Rays, man, are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They're really an unbelievable story. You cannot tell me. Three Rays. Like, even if you're a baseball fan. Like, I had never heard of the guy that's ripping it up yeah, third in their lineup. I don't know who he is. I have to ask Ty who these guys are. Yeah. I have no idea who uh, they are. Evan Longoria. <laughs> yeah. Richie Sexton. Um, and by the way, the best hitter, the best hitter for the Rays, like everybody's talking about some of these other guys for the Yankees or whatever, and Stanton's ripping it up. The best hitter for the Rays is Brandon Lau. And he doesn't have a hit in the series. Mm -hmm. So if he gets going tonight, it could be over. I I said this earlier. I don't know if there's this can happen in other sports. Like the Nationals had star power last year. But like, can you give me a team in the NFL, the NBA? Like Toronto had one of the best players in the game, Kawhi Leonard. The Rays don't have that. They don't. They 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 have good players. Brandon Lau's a good player. He's an all star. Uh, Glasnow is a good young talent. They have some great arms in the bullpen. But nobody would pick them first five, first ten I mean, out of all the other guys in the in Major League Baseball. It's off the beaten path, but I'd say the St. Louis Blues last year. It's a good question. I don't know if I know hockey enough to well, know no, how many great players I'm telling they you, have. No, the, the, the St. Louis Blues are a team that would fit into. But, um, is like hockey it's, built that way? I mean, if you have the good goaltender, do you have three stars on a team in hockey? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean like, how many superstars are in hockey? There's a, I mean, like for instance, when the Capitals won a couple years ago because Alex Ovechkin. I mean, he's one of the best Be players true. in the game. Good point. You know, so um, you know, and Crosby along the Cindy way Crosby, when Pittsburgh was yeah. good, and the Red Wings Patrick had a bunch Kane, of stars. Yeah, you know, Patrick when Kane was with Chicago. So they didn't have any, the Blues didn't have any guy like that. Not really, man. It was just a bunch of gritty kind of tough guys. I mean, they had good, they had good goalkeeping, but no, like really household star, I would say. Yeah, it's just wild. I can't believe it was ended on hockey talk. I like it. Hockey and baseball, man. Yeah, but I'm trying to think. That you make up a great point, though. Like, think about any NFL team. Like, yeah, I mean, you make a great point. Yeah. Well, would you say the Heat? I mean, I they had Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Butler's a superstar. Though, superstar. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's not a bad comparison. I just don't but know if it can happen to you, this degree. Cool, so quick, you think Jay Butler's top 15 in the NBA? Yeah. Top 10? Yeah. Okay. Thank God hey, we, we got that uh, squared away. Live local live coming up next. <laughs> They'll talk more about the NBA, by the way, I'm sure. And also, uh, 645 will take you to the Rays and the Yankees here on ESPN 690. Hopefully they lose. We'll pop some champagne later tonight. Let's as go, long Stan. as the Yankees lose. Go Rays. Stan, Walk, two home Stanton, runs. go Rays. Jaguars <laughs> All Access coming up 7 o'clock on Fox 30. We'll see you on TV later tonight.